You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. That's deflected, and it is Tier Tart coming down with it. Tipped it into the air and picked it. First career interception for the third-year man out of FIU, T. Air Tart. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with the Joes and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Welcome back, BetQL Daily, right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Thursday, presented, as always, by BetMGM. A lot to talk about. We'll get deep into the Thursday night football game, more on the baseball playoffs coming up, and our uh, our draft of World Series odds coming up later in the show. Right now, though, we have a guest here with us. Excited to have Alex Christensen on from Sports Wager U, Brown Bag Bets, Ace NBA Previews. He joins us on the GetMyPhoenix.com. Guest on the Phoenix, a revolutionary technology, helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit GetMyPhoenix.com to learn more. So, Alex, before we let you go, we got to talk some NBA with you. We're a couple weeks from the season. But let's start NFL. Touchdown props is what you've been specializing in. And you've got some looks for us tonight. And one of the names I know you're interested in, I'm curious your thoughts on him. Aaron and I were talking yesterday about Alec Pierce, the second-round wide receiver for the Colts. It feels like the targets are starting to come here. Your thoughts on him and then potential touchdown plays for tonight. Yeah, I really like Alec Pierce. You guys hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of the NFL season, especially when you're starting to look at those younger role player spots, you know, your second, third receivers on teams, maybe with not a great second receiver. And uh, that's what this Colts team is. Michael Pittman is the absolute unquestioned number one. So they're willing to try a lot, I think, to fill in this second spot. They put some draft capital into acquiring Alec Pierce and wasn't able to play, I believe, the first game of the season. And you look at the targets, they're continually getting more and more every week. It's one of my favorite things to look at, you know, kind of targets by a week for some of these second, third receivers, because you can get a little ahead of the market who still has a lot of faith in Ashton Doolin, but I think we're going to see him fall slower and slower. But yeah, love first touchdown score bets. It's one of my favorite bets in the NFL. Um, as offenses get better and better, there is a touchdown in every single game. It's been a couple of years since there's been one. So Love betting on who's first. Alec Pierce, really like him today. Um, a couple other players. Uh, quarterbacks and tight ends are generally very valuable, and tonight is no less. We know Russ Wilson can run, and you don't think of Matt Ryan as being fairly athletic, but he gets some sneak touchdowns and things like that. So give me both of those guys. And then the tight ends, Albert O and um, Eric Salbert for the Broncos continue to get a bunch of targets. The Colts have given up a lot of touchdowns to tight ends so far. And then same thing for the Colts. Mo Alley Cox is Kind of in the same way you've seen Pierce's targets rise. Cox gets more and more looks every week. So a little six-pack for you there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, what you just mentioned there about there being a touchdown in every game, I think that's actually an important point for this year because scoring has been down a lot of unders. So if you're someone that plays a lot of touchdown score props, anytime ones, you haven't had as many opportunities, naturally with the scoring down. But with this prop, first touchdown one, they're, they're – there's always going to be a touchdown scored at some point. So it always cashes somewhere. Just a matter of landing on the right spot. Uh, what you mentioned about value, typically being on the quarterbacks, rushing it in or tight ends. Um, how is that hit? In years past, we've seen, you know, 
runs where the quarterbacks end up running it in a lot. How has that been going through the first four weeks? Value with those specific spots. Yeah, pretty solid. Um, you know, as I start to look down the list, some guys that I'll definitely be betting this week, Marcus Mariota has a first touchdown already. If he's, you know, 10, 12 to one or better, I'll be betting him. You look at the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields had a first touchdown already this year. So some of those mobile quarterbacks, and it's important to look, um, you know, the prices are really tough. Some of the high price guys like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, um, even Kyler Murray haven't hit yet this year. But, you know, you'll get some really nice big numbers on some of those other guys. And in terms of tight ends, they continue to be great. Will Disley is just one of my favorite players in the NFL. He has two first touchdowns already this year. He was like 50 to one, I think, in week one. Um, if you remember, broken play, Geno Smith rolls out to the left, tosses a ball underhand, and there is Will Disley standing in the middle of nowhere, runs it in. He had a first touchdown, I think, this past week. And then another guy I like on the Titans, Jeff Swaim. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jeff Swaim. Jeff Swaim gets one or two first touchdowns a year or so. It's just a really great way to soak up some value because a lot of these are derivative lines and everybody at the top of the market is going to be your key running backs, your key wide receivers who will get a touchdown. But to get the first touchdown, you have a lot more planning that goes into that. Defenses are generally a little more locked in. So I like going a little further down the board again. Quarterbacks and tight ends can be great. What is your overall strategy when you are betting touchdowns, whether it's first touchdown, anytime touchdown, because the value is so good. You know, you gave us six for first touchdown score tonight. Do you sprinkle all of those or do you just bet on one? Like, what do you do personally? Because, I mean, it can be so exciting when you hit one, but if you go a couple games or even a couple weeks without hitting one, it could be depressing to stay the course. So I'm curious your overall strategy here. I try to stick with some bigger numbers. I'll generally not bet anybody less than 13, 14 to one. I like to focus on 30s, 40s, 50s, because it's just really hard for books to price things like that. And um, it's and it's just kind of fun to say stuff like I was three and 54 last week with a 25% ORI betting first touchdown scores in every game. So if you can hit a couple 30s and 40s and things like that, it's just kind of how it goes. And as fun as it is to say, yes, it's terrifying. It is absolutely brutal if I have a Sunday afternoon where I don't hit one at 1 p.m. I've got to sit and sweat all the 4 p.m. games, you know, <laughs> knowing that I've got a decent-sized bankroll laid out. But, again, it's just the volume, it, I think, helps because the more hit swings you get, the more hits you're going to get, and the more it's going to kind of balance out. So it is a little scary. But, yeah, I try to take a flat stake on all these. I look at about, you know, three to six names maybe per game. And, again, just try to focus on big numbers because – Books are always going to have low numbers on, you know, guys like Cooper Cup. So look at Tyler Higby, stuff like that. We're talking to Alex Christian here on the guest line. Alex, what's your favorite play for this weekend? Look across the NFL board. This could be a side total prop, a first touchdown in a game we haven't touched on yet. Your favorite play for week five in the NFL? It looks like a really, really good teaser week to me. And it's one of my favorite things to do. I'm sure you guys talk a lot about mm -hmm. long teasers. I've heard you talk about it. You scroll down the board this week. You've got the Minnesota Vikings at home only laying seven against a really rough Chicago Bears team. Sorry, Joe. Um, and the Jacksonville Jaguars at home <laughs> also laying one against the Houston Texans. Put it together, a six-point tease. You should be able to get that minus 15, minus 20 somewhere. And you've basically got both teams to win the game. You take them down to minus one. Again, it's always really good value from a teaser perspective when you can go, say, down from an eight to like a one to a two or from a one and a two back up to eight. You get across that three, you get across that seven. So I'm probably a little too invested in this already, but really like a Vikings-Jaguars teaser on Sunday. 
Vikings. Oh, good. Because we just had a conversation about, uh, we decided to land on the Jacksonville Jaguars for the moment on uh, our Circus Survivor show entry that is still alive. So you definitely think the Jaguars are going to win. There's there's not going to be any issues there. Going back home, divisional matchup against the Texans. I mean, Davis Mills is brutal on the road. The Texans really look like the worst team in football or one of the worst teams. I think the Jaguars, you look at that game in Philadelphia, they come out, they get a little bit of luck. The weather is just brutal. And at some point they lost control of that game. So I think going back home is going to be good for them. Doug Peterson, um, you know, anybody's a better coach than Urban Meyer. Uh, Doug Peterson at least knows the names of everyone on the team is going to have them, I think, (laughs) ready at home to take care of a divisional opponent. Again, it's a double-edged sword, those divisional games, right? The Jaguars should be locked in for beating the Texans, but the Texans maybe care a little bit more. Either way, the Jaguars look like a pretty good team to me, and this looks like a fantastic get-right spot for them. What about some NBA win totals that you have your eye on? Um, Which ones are your favorite so far? Uh, My absolute favorite of this year is I'm going to be fading the Miami Heat. And I know that could be really tough for a lot of people. They were a great team last year, but I just see an aging roster. I mean, if... You know, this were 2019, 2020. I would love having Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler and all these older guys out here. I mean, <laughs> Victor Oladipo, I, I don't remember the last time he's played basketball. It's been a couple of years since he's done a good job. Bam Adebayo continues to struggle to take that step from being a top 20 player to being a top 10 player in the league. And it just looks highly fragile to me. I mean, if one of these guys, if Jimmy Butler misses serious time, if Kyle Lowry misses serious time, God forbid something happened to Bam Adebayo, he missed 20, 25 games. Really like this team to go under their win total. There's 49 and a half, 48 and a half somewhere. I like both of those numbers. And I'm even betting a little bit on them to miss the playoffs at plus 500 or better. Alex, I have to ask you, I'm not sure if you caught any of the game the other night, but I'm sure you, you know about it. I've seen highlights. Victor Webinyama, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I got to get that by the time we get to the draft next year. But I watched some of it. Uh, seven foot three. I, mean, I felt like I was watching the next version of Kevin Durant. Do you think we're heading towards an NBA season where the bottom teams, we can pick on them in terms of day-to-day win totals because he looks like, and maybe I'm just being over the top because I watched one game, but it looks to me like he's the kind of prospect you tank for if you're having a bad season or you're not going to be in the title race or a playoff race. How good do you think he is, and and do you think we're headed to that kind of season where the bottom teams say, yeah, we want to get that guy? Yeah. So you look back historically, the problem with a lot of these big guys is their bodies just don't hold up to running up and down a hardwood floor a hundred times a year like that. But you think about him as Kevin Durant. He's a lot thicker than Kevin Durant. He seems like his body is a, a lot more well-developed. Um, you know, unless you have a Greg Oden style problem where we suddenly learn that one of his legs is an inch longer than the other after he's been drafted. And physically, he looks like he has all the gifts and he's been playing in the French league. So it's not like he's been beating up on little high school kids and, and bad college players. I mean, he's playing with grown men in a, in a pretty solid league and, so if you add to what you said, Joe, it's not just him. The other guy you watch in that game, Scoot, is fantastic. I think in a lot of years he has a shot to be a number one pick. So you bring up a great point. There are really two star prospects this year that look fantastic. And I think you're right. Certain teams are going to be a little more likely to tank than usual. Um, I wonder if a team uh, that I'm looking to go under here, the San Antonio Spurs, um, you know, we've heard everything that Popovich has said about, please don't bet this team. He's already starting to work on some of his stand-up comedy for those third quarter press conferences. I think we're going to get popped back. I mean, 
And that doesn't necessarily mean, though, that they're going to be winning games. We saw them tag for Tim Duncan in his first season. We have a model for this, and I think he's going to focus more on growing the kids, less on winning games. So that would be a team that I would identify. And then maybe some of the better teams that might fall off. If the Portland Trailblazers have a bad start to the season, I think they are going to tear that thing to the absolute studs. Just tear it all down, sell everything that goes. So those are two teams that I'm looking for unders. And I think you're right. As the season goes, you can identify tanking teams. Try to fade them because there's a lot of value in losing games in the NBA this year. All right. Uh, it's a good value on some unders there. What about uh, awards? Is there anything that stands out? It doesn't necessarily have to be MVP, but uh, anything that you've looked at or maybe some numbers that you think will be gone? Yeah, a couple fun awards this year. Really like most improved player. Um, you know, a handful of names there. I'm probably a little too optimistic about my Philadelphia 76ers, but I'm going down with the ship, folks. Um, really like the way that team's put up. There's really only one position on the team that I'm really struggling with, and maybe Glenn Livers can just stay out of the way and let kind of things happen on their own. But Tyrese Maxey, I think, is really in line for a fantastic season. I think we're going to watch him just be a darling of the NBA. If you know, Sports Center is still doing the top 10. I haven't seen it in a long time, but we're going to see a lot of Tyrese Maxey on there. So, most improved player, he's 30 to 1. I think he has a chance to be a borderline all star this year as Joe Embiid and James Harden try to take a little less effort during the regular season, like they've talked about. I think we're just going to see a ton of Maxey. So, really like him as most improved player. Fading the Lakers is always fun, but I'm curious because a lot of people have been expecting big things from the Clippers. What are your thoughts on both of these LA teams? Which are, and are you fading both, or are you high on the Clippers this season? Because I just don't know if Kawhi can stay healthy anymore. I faded the Lakers last year, and I'm happy to do it again. Um, bet their regular season win total under last year. Bet them to miss the playoffs. I'm doing both again here. I don't see anything about this team that got better. I mean, one of my favorite jokes from the offseason, I fell for this. Somebody tweeted that um, Anthony Davis was out with a shoulder injury because Anthony Davis said he was going to play with a chip on his shoulder this season. And that kind of turned into what essentially was fake news. But it's going to happen. He misses 20, 25 games every year, like clockwork. LeBron James finally in his 20-whatever year in the season in the league is finally starting to miss games. And Russell Westbrook is already starting to – Talk about how he's going to be a professional, which is never a great start. It just looks like it's going to be a mess again this year. And maybe they can trade Russell Westbrook. I mean, I've been wrong about this contract being untradeable twice already. So maybe there's a third one in line. We'll see how that goes. But I see no reason to think this Lakers team is going to be any good. The Clippers, however, I just – Tyron Lue was one of the best coaches in the league last year. He continued to find ways to win games. They had no chance of winning. The team is definitely going to be better. Even a little bit of Kawhi Leonard is better than none. Paul George should be fine. I just I think that roster top to bottom is pretty solid. They have good defensive players. So I don't know if they're going to win a title, but they're going to be one of the best teams in the West for sure. So not necessarily betting on them or against them, but I expect good things from the other L.A. team this year. Just about a minute left, Alex. I'm curious what you think the NBA Most Approved Player Award should be. We debated last year. I mean, we're trying to handicap what the voters do, right, because we want to win the bet. But – like, Anthony Edwards is the favorite. Last year, John Morant won. They're supposed to be great. They were the number one, number two pick in the draft. I think guys like Maxi, um, you know, guys like Josh Giddy, they, they they make more sense to me. What do you think it should be? Should it be a, a number one, number two pick that takes the leap? Or should it be someone like Maxi, who's a 20-something pick in the draft, and then he becomes an all-star? So I think the question comes down to which jump do you respect more from being a 75 to top 100 player in the league to getting into maybe the 20s 
or making that hard but smaller step from the 20s up to the 10s. Now, this is an award generally where they do avoid number one picks. Um, voters for every reason, number two picks have won this award, never a number one pick. I think Anthony Edwards should be the favorite to win this award because, you know, I kind of talked about it with Bam Adebayo. He's incredibly talented. He's someone that has all the skills, and we continue to wait for him to be one of the five to ten best players in the league. Now, John Morant, you look last year, he went from being a guy in the 20s to maybe being a top 10 player in the league. I think that is a much harder step forward to make. And when you have a player like, again, Anthony Edwards, who has a chance to do that, I think it is a little more impressive to take that step forward to not only being good, but being great, to being a first team possible All-NBA guy, to being an all-star starter, to being someone some of the big players on championship teams respect. So um, I think you make a good point, unless there is someone that really makes that jump into greatness. It should be someone kind of from that second, third tier flying all the way up like we've seen in, in years before. Great stuff. Alex Christensen here on the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line. Alex, we appreciate it. We'll check out your work, and we'll talk again soon, especially when NBA season starts. Joe knows next right here on the Beck UL Network.